0: signal stay away do you make a noise maybe show your teeth maybe yell have you ever thought about wearing something bright to tell your predators to stay away hello hello everybody welcome to boiling point um There is a rainbow of warning colors that animals present to fend off predators. On today's show, myself, Anastasia, and Hannah, our new Boiling Point recruit, Hello. will chat to Marilia Erickson, who is a PhD candidate at Macquarie University, who studies the prevalence of, and I'm really sorry because I will mispronounce this word, (laughs) (laughs) opossumatism.
1: Hello. Um, That was perfect.
0: Okay, Marilia, you're just too kind. Hannah, do you know how to say the
1: word? No, I don't.
0: (laughs) Okay, fantastic. Listen, we're doing our best. Okay, it's a hard word to say. Marilia, what is aposematism? How do
1: you say it? Um, I say aposematism.
0: Okay, great. I think that is more correct. Um, You are the expert. Um, What is it? And is it just colors?
1: Um, Not necessarily. It is most traditionally studied Studied in colors, mm-hmm. but there could be some chemical ones. So there could be some really strong smells that indicate um, that you should stay away, sort of like possum sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some fruits, I think, also do this as well. And what it is, is basically um, you talked a little bit about how different things signal that you should stay away from them, mm-hmm. right? And if that signal stay away from me is coupled with some other kind of defense, that could be a chemical defense, like the being can be toxic or a physical defense like spikes, then we, call, we say that that's aposematism. So it has to be uh, colorful and also dangerous at the same time.
0: Okay, so it has to be both, right? The signal and actually dangerous. So that's different to animals that mimic somebody with aposematism, Right. So that's not a possumatism where, you know, some some animals will kind of use a color of a very similar species to be like, hey, I might be dangerous as well, but actually I'm not.
1: Right. What is that called? Do you know? Yep. So, as I said, um, the terminology is a little, a little mixed up, mm-hmm. even in, in the literature, but... Um, Mimics, they also have warning coloration. Right. But then they are not endoposematic because they don't have the defense, usually. Okay. Um, and there are different kinds of mimetism, depending on how you classify them. So we can have some mimics that are also defended, but they are weaker, weaker so they would have less toxins. And mm-hmm. so um, they would, in a way, improve on the signal for the predator, but um, not as much because you can still eat, sort of eat them. Mm-hmm. And you can have mimics that are not toxic at all, so they're just um, pretending to be dangerous, but they're mm-hmm. completely, um...
0: completely harmless, yes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, what kind of animals have aposematism?
1: Um, a lot of them. I think one of the most common examples are the poison dart frogs from the Amazonia. Uh,
0: yes. Okay. But so, correct me if I'm wrong. But the poison dart frogs are only poisonous because of what they eat. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, um, I think so. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily study frogs, but a lot of the animals that are toxic, they acquire their toxins by eating plants. There are very few of them who actually produce the toxins themselves.
0: Really? So sometimes they can have all these warning colors and and theoretically have a but because they don't eat that food, then they're not
1: toxic. Yep, it it can happen because often the color can be determined genetically, but the Mm. toxin level... Uh, could be determined by how much they eat of the toxic plant. Uh-huh. And this is one of the uh, current lines of study is how honest is that signal? Is it the brighter the color mm-hmm. than the more toxic, which mm-hmm. has been shown in some groups, but not in other ones? So mm-hmm. I guess that will all depend on... Um, if they produce their toxins themselves, of, if they're acquired from diet. Okay. So aposmatism itself seems like the predator
0: has to learn that that animal is toxic. Is that correct? absolutely so so what happens in the very beginning so there's just a whole bunch of animals getting
1: eaten all the yeah. time and other animals dying i'm <laughs> like,
0: fascinated by this Does yeah do the animals just die when they first
1: try yeah you are going straight to the difficult uh theoretical questions there always I you absolutely know what? love it. this is how we are on boiling point <laughs> this is a thesis defense i hope you're prepared <laughs> well i'm not prepared to defend a the thesis yet but i can i can hopefully help to clarify some things um so yeah, you're absolutely right. It is dependent on memory. Mm-hmm. So predators have to look at something and they have to eat it or not always eat it. Um, like there's one of my uh, friends who researched aposematism as well, and she showed that birds can learn to avoid some other toxic um, prey just mm-hmm. by seeing other birds have a bad reaction to it. So that sort oh, of wow. uh, lessens the number of Toxic things that need to be eaten for our predators to learn. Okay. Um, but it is a little bit of a conundrum mm-hmm. as to how it begins to be. Yeah. What comes first, the toxin or the color? Yeah. Um, and I guess it will vary in different groups. And we're still trying to figure that out um, because the there's so many varieties. There are some animals that don't have any uh, colors, but they are still toxic. There are mm-hmm. animals who have colors that seem really bright, but they then they wouldn't be toxic. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it, it's still a little bit not super explored yet, the yeah. whole uh, first step of um, evolution. And supposedly, uh, my thesis is a little bit about that, is how do, does it initially uh, develop? Oh, that's a big question. How ask. is it maintained? Um, right. Yeah, because it
0: seems like it's very, very costly in the very beginning, right? Because it's like you're just hoping the predator knows not to eat you. Um So it would almost seem like a fluke of evolution. Do you know what I mean? Because, yeah, it's just so costly in the beginning. But I guess over time, you'll kind of learn. Um, So can the colors of aposematism in these animals also be used for mating? Do you know?
1: They could be used for mating as well. And it's Actually, one of the difficult things about studying this is how do you separate the signals that are sexual signals from the signals that are defensive signals? How do you do it? You wouldn't want to get that wrong. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let me mate with you. Oh, wait, I forgot you were toxic. Awesome.
1: Well, you will be sin- signaling to different species. So hopefully yeah, yeah. Um, it will still sort of work out in a way. Um,
0: yeah. Thank goodness there's no like sexual cannibalism in butterflies that I know of. Is there? Not that I know of oh, Okay, either. okay. So, <laughs>
1: Um, so it is, it is a really difficult thing to do. And I'm trying to sort out a method of doing that. Um, for example, for butterflies, what we're thinking of doing is they have two sides, right? The dorsal side and the ventral side. Mm -hmm. And butterflies usually rest with their wings closed, which will be how they would, uh, stay still most of the time and you usually want to be defended when you're still as opposed to when you're flying so the idea it would be that most of the defensive signals would be on the ventral side and not necessarily on the dorsal side and a lot mm-hmm. of the mating signals are on the dorsal side and the, sorry the dorsal side which is that the side that like underneath the wings or? yeah that's a great question um, sorry so the dorsal side is like the back so you know how you have the the legs hmm Pointed, And that's yeah. the ventral side, the side that has the legs, and then the back would be the dorsal. So if you think of a butterfly like the Ulysses one, which is that big, bright yeah. blue one, mm-hmm. the bright blue would be the dorsal side. And when it closes, right. the wing is sort of brownish, which is one way of demonstrating that you have like the more defensive coloration on the ventral part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So, Marilia, why butterflies? Um that's a great question as well because, for example, if we were studying caterpillars, it's much easier, right? They don't mate, yeah, exactly. so do caterpillars also have aposematism? Very often, yes. Oh, okay, um, I, I say very often, but one of the things that I'm looking at specifically is why isn't aposematism more common, considering it's such an effective strategy to keep predators away? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite normal to find caterpillars that are spiky and colorful. Yeah. And you should definitely stay away from
0: those. Oh, 100%. I'm actually like quite terrified of caterpillars just walking around because you never know if it's going to be a venomous one or not. Um, and, you know, the fluffy ones like look cute and whatever. But then there's actually like those fluffs are are just needles, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. In a way they are. Yeah. Um, I would not recommend you eating them, you know. But Damn it. <laughs> I don't. Most of the... the butterflies and, and caterpillars, you would have to to eat them or at least touch them to have a reaction. So mm-hmm. you can appreciate from afar, like you should do with all animals, you know? Okay.
0: But yeah, so why butterflies and not caterpillars? Oh,
1: yeah. Um, I or, don't know. Or anything else? The, the correct answer would be that my supervisor got a grant to study butterflies. <laughs> um, Fair enough, yeah. But I think they are quite interesting group. A lot of the work uh, is done on moths which mm-hmm. are similar. but And moths are very often quite toxic as well. Wow. I didn't know that, actually. no
0: idea about that. Yeah, because yeah. moths, mm-hmm. for me, are like really drab colors compared yeah. to butterflies. And they seem
1: really harmless. Yeah,
0: exactly. They're just big, fluff, fluffy butterflies.
1: They are, in a way, big, <laughs> fluffy butterflies. Um, and there are some of them who have very beautiful colors. So mm. even though they are known as the ugly cousins, <laughs> I would argue that they are often quite pretty. Yeah. Um, of course, because moths are often nocturnal, they don't have a showy of a color, yeah, but no. um, we do have some very cool ones. Like, my lab also studies the amata moths, which I guess it's a red-necked wasp moth. Okay. And they have little tiger abdomens in their, stri- uh, in their body, like stripes, mm-hmm. and then they also have some red signals on the wings, and it's quite common to find them flying around Sydney. Oh, okay. um, and, and they're very aposematic as well, like they're very, very toxic,
0: really yeah so w- when you say um, that they're toxic, right that means that something has to be in- that it has to be ingested yeah. right And would it be toxic to all animals or only specific animals?
1: Um, that's a great question. and we don't know necessarily. Um. So wait, you don't just eat them all in the lab and mm, see how you feel? No, I, I don't yet. <laughs> but I will get just that a part disclaimer started soon.
0: Please do not eat any animals, <laughs> whether you are a scientist or not.
1: <laughs> we do not condone this behavior. Yes, I mean we will condone this behavior. <laughs> please, please don't eat stuff that could be poisonous. <laughs> um. So there are some. There are some studies that show that uh, with uh, an, a moth from uh, Finland, that they produce different chemicals targeted at different uh, predators. So Mm -hmm. some of the secretions that are toxic that come from the neck, Mm -hmm. they're often toxic to birds and the ones that come from the abdomen would be toxic to ants, for example. So, Oh, so different body parts. Yes. Oh, interesting.
0: So do you ever get the predators learning that and then only eating
1: certain parts of the body? I don't think that study has been done, but I don't think. <laughs> well, there you go, everybody. <laughs> I, I I would think that um that regions that they produce their toxins are targeted to where the predators would try to catch them in a ah, way. Okay. So birds would often like try to go straight for this part of mm-hmm. uh, like the neckish neck
2: ish
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> part of the butterfly, and then would swallow it, as probably invertebrates have a different um, way of attacking their prey, I would mm-hmm. think. And this is why they have different... And this is only one species. I mean, other species could have different things, but often uh, things that are toxic to something are toxic to other groups in extent, but okay. not always. So it, it can be mm-hmm. specific. To- so maybe
0: they're not deadly toxic, but still like make the animal not feel very well, yeah. basically. Okay. And um, what's your day-to-day like like how do you do your studies
1: um so day-to-day is very variable in a phd as you mm-hmm. probably know but my study we basically go around catching the butterflies first mm-hmm. and then we that must be fun it is right? fun, <laughs> often you... frustrating yeah. I just i just picture you running around a field with a net yeah exactly <laughs> it yeah. is absolutely like that um oh is it it's like you use butterfly nets uh, yes oh. um We tried to use some traps as well, but that didn't go super well. So now we're just not catching. Um, And I go in a group with other people from my lab and it's a very, um, like everybody wants to go because we get to go up to Cairns and we get to go up to Brisbane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we run around with them at catching the butterflies. Mm-hmm. And then what I'm doing now is that I'm taking uh, UV pictures of the butterflies to look at their colors. So when How come we- UV pictures? Because we can't really see that. Like as humans, right? Yep. So we as humans can see it. But we often consider that the most important uh, predator for butterflies is birds. And birds see UV very well. Mm-hmm. So okay. we have to consider that. And if... Uh, aposematism is about having a showy color. They have to be showy for their predators. Mm-hmm. So we're imaging all these butterflies in UV pictures, which has been proven to be a little tricky to get. Um. Oh, is that why? How come? Um, there because a lot of the cameras that are developed, they all want to filter out the UV light because oh. for <laughs> us it's blurry. Right. Um. So you have to have a very specific setup to to do the pictures. But Mm -hmm. now that we're finally getting it, you can see some really cool UV pattern in some of the wings of the butterflies, It's quite quite cool to see, actually.
0: So does it correlate with, um, you know, really colorful to us butterfly and also colorful in UV? Or is it a really colorful UV butterfly is maybe more drab colors for us?
1: That's also a great question. Um, I keep them coming. <laughs> absolutely. So it really depends. There are some colors that we see as completely black, which show oh. quite bright UV. We can't even with UV pictures, we can't see the UV properly because we just don't oh, have yeah. the receptors. Yeah. So what we can see is that what the camera catches as being UV light. Oh. And some of the the wings that we image, they show, even though they're black to us, they show very high UV um, brightness so to say. So okay. that's quite cool. Yeah. Um, but often I would think that some of the colors that are bright to us also have UV additionally to that. So,
0: okay.
1: and I say that not only in my PhD study, but I have um, measured UV in many different things during my master's. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think yellow is a color that often comes accompanied with UV. Which How is, come? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but it's quite quite oh, interesting. interesting. I wonder wow. if it's like a spectrum
0: thing. We need a physicist on <laughs> to explain this to us.
1: Um, I would think it is because, for example, purple is quite cool, right? Mm-hmm. And purple is a non-spectral color, so to say, because if you think of the light spectrum mm-hmm. and it goes like, think of a rainbow,
0: yeah, like
1: from red and then yellow, green, blue ish, mm-hmm. so hard to say. And purple would actually be red and blue, so they're different parts of the spectrum, completely separated. Mm-hmm. And yellow and UV would also be because the yellow would it would go yellow, and then you'd go to blue, but then it wouldn't reflect blue, and it would go to uh, yellow. So mm-hmm. it is what we would call a multi-spectrum color. Okay. So I, I I reckon for the people who I mean not people clearly but from the animals who can see, it, <laughs> it should be quite pretty. Yeah. Okay. It's
0: kind of amazing to think that there's these butterflies that might just like look really unexciting to us, but they might have these amazing patterns that mm-hmm. other animals perceive. Well, it's similar with um, a lot of corvids, um, like crows and things. Like they're actually very colorful really? to other birds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's correct. <laughs> but um, I'm pretty sure I read a study about that where you know crows and Oh my gosh, what's another corvid that it, I'm Oh, ravens. They actually have quite bright wow. colors under UV for other birds. It's so cool to see that. Yeah. If that would could. be good. I know, I know. And yet, you know, evolution just really didn't do a, a number on us for that, you know. It's it's really quite sad. I
1: completely disagree with you on that. I think ah. we are very 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 fortunate to have the vision that we have. That's true. Because yeah. humans are actually in like the high um Point of spectral acute of acuity visually. So mm-hmm. we see in detail very well. And yeah. most other things just see very blurry things, which I think is great. Okay, that's true. Well maybe they should just
0: get laser eye surgery. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and also, um, even if you consider colored, a lot of the primates, especially the old world primates, they only see in two colors and we're seeing three, so we're very lucky. Still. Oh really? Wow. I didn't know that. I what's thought- the um oh. what's the color they don't see? Um Do you know? so it would be between the the Green and red. So the mm. right. if you look at the pigments in our eyes, the green and the red pigment, they're quite close together. And if you look at birds, for example, they're completely mm. spread out far apart. And this is because we probably had a duplication of one of these pigments. And then... We're just slightly able to see it. So it's very, it's a very fortunate, ex—not probably not an accident. I'm sure that the people (laughs) who study primates will have a very good reason for why that happened. But it's very fortunate that we can have that little bit extra help into seeing colors, I think. Yeah, amazing. Yeah,
0: exactly. Now, Marilia, I wanted to ask, because you actually have a master's degree, right? Yes. And you have a master's of psychobiology. What is that?
1: Um, Is that like psychiatry, but for animals? (laughs) my father often says that oh, um yes <laughs> he says that i'm a bee psychologist which is funny because i never truly studied bees but that would be cool um i have a friend who's a psychologist and he actually studies bees so maybe he's more suited oh, to that Oh, really thing. does um, he
0: also study humans
1: no oh okay okay so <laughs> an
0: actual psychologist of bees okay absolutely very cool.
1: yeah um it's a good question um so I do animal behavior, and mm-hmm. behavior is considered to be sort of a psychological part of uh, things. So oh. this is why it's under the psych- psychobiology uh, degree, so to say. I see. But it's nothing super fancy, I would say.
0: So how does the aposematism go into animal behavior? Like, do you get to utilize your master's when in your PhD studies?
1: Yeah. Um, I did also study color in my P pe- in my Masters, sorry. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So many degrees to go through uh, <laughs> Not not at all. Um, <laughs> and that was one of the questions that I always felt most afraid that people would ask me in my master's. It's like you study color. What are you doing here? But um, the answer is that color is a psychological thing. Like uh-huh. it's not just about what light a surface reflects or what Um, light our eye catches, it always has to be processed by our brain and it processes it in different ways for different people Mm -hmm. and considering even your previous experiences and so on. So it is the color vision is considered to be sort of a psychological phenomenon on its own. So anything that is color, strictly speaking, is psychological. Okay. So what did you do for your master's? Um, For my master's, I studied uh, flower coloration. Oh, wow. What kind of flowers? Just
0: all flowers? or
1: Yeah, so I wanted to see if there was a difference between the flower colors in uh, the Atlantic forest and the seasonal dry forest, which are different two biomes we have in Brazil, which is where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was based in the fact that the seasonal dry forest is quite a unique environment, so to say. So it's like very um, sparse vegetation, and in the summer, all the plants lose their leaves. And apparently because they lose their leaves, they mostly also lose their flowers. Bummer, <laughs> should have thought about that, right? Um, but... And because there's so such different signaling environments, so you would have this very whitish sort of background color that the flowers would be seen against, versus the you know Atlantic forest, which is green, bright, and pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, not that the other one isn't pretty. I love <laughs> that, bi- and that biome. Please, um, but it was, and we, I wanted to see that using bee vision as well. Mm-hmm. So we would we would do some computer with bee vision. Yeah. How do you know what a bee sees? Mm-hmm. Um, do you like put little brain prods in it and, like, try and see what it signals or something? Fortunately, somebody else has done all that part of work, so... Uh, is, that, is that how they did it? Um, I would probably think it's was similar to that. Yeah, because um, they do
0: that with spiders, hey? Uh-huh. They put, like, little brain probes into them and then they see, like, what are they seeing and how are their eyes moving. Wow. It's It's very, very cool, yeah.
1: Yeah. So for color vision, we have different models as to... Um, how some things would perceive that color so it considering what are the photoreceptors that they have mm-hmm. and then what is the actual physical re- reflectance of that object and what is the light that is being shown uh, shined upon that object and then yeah. you can sort of calculate how diff- different different uh, surfaces would contrast mm-hmm. or you can calculate how that would be in the B uh, color space yeah and to imagine a color space just think of, one day that you went into paint and you put personalized colors and then they're all colors that we can see there and that's sort of like a color space. Okay. And then we can sort of plot them in the bee color space, so to say, to to know sort of uh, how a bee would see different colors
0: so was that the idea of that project was to see how bees are finding flowers or
1: it was it would be to see if the flowers were evolving different colors based on uh, their signaling environment Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um is that to attract more bees to be pollinated
0: ah okay so the bees didn't like the the bees was just the perception, yeah. Um, so it wasn't you were studying the bee. Well, Hans, you did say that you were studying the flowers, yeah. Oh, well, why why bee vision and why not birds? Because birds also pollinate, right? Or other animals, butterflies.
1: I did do some extra modeling for other stuff, but um, bees have a more have three receptors just like us Mm -hmm. so it's easier to model them than birds that have like a four dimensional color space Uh, oh yeah okay no that does make it very complicated and also bees do pollinate most of the flowers um so they are in a way the most important pollinators i think everybody knows this by this point
0: that is true right that's why there's like save the bee campaigns and stuff oh my goodness so how did you find um moving to australia from brazil
1: it's so far yeah (laughs) but I I really like it here um I I love Sydney I really do yeah um the cold part is still hard for me because I am from tropical Brazil so it's 30 degrees all year round and it's great (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness
0: <laughs> it's so strange to hear someone describe sydney as cold i love it <laughs> <laughs> did you not find sydney cold no are no. you like always walking around in shorts and a t-shirt N- no but uh, yeah i think well i grew up on the south coast of wa so it's oh, okay. it a bit a bit chillier in yeah Europe. okay yeah yeah that's fair enough i i also yeah coming um from canada i uh it's it's funny because I'll t- chat to my friends and I'm like, you know, in a coat. And I'm like, guys it's 15 degrees here. And they're sitting in their minus 40 being like, you better shut it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you do not know what cold is. <laughs> well, to me, I have my friends back home in like 24 degrees, which is the coldest. It's getting they're like, oh, my God, we're all getting our jackets. And I'm like, bitch, please. Sorry. <laughs> am I allowed to say that? Yes. Listen, it's <laughs> <is> boiling
0: point <laughs> We love it here. Um, so uh what are you up to now what are you up to these days with you know your research and your phd anything else that you're up to
1: um so i'm doing the image the imaging the UV imaging at this point and actually by the end of this week i'm going to join uh, one of my friends who also studies butterflies up to cairns so i can be hot again you know Very- oh so we caught you just in time before you left <laughs> Ah, oh, that's very lucky is for this, us. Is
0: this a field trip to collect more butterflies? Or?
1: It is um, Amazing. but I'm gonna be helping her in her projects for a little bit because she already helped me collect tons of butterflies for mine, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's great. Would there be butterflies now because they're seasonal, right? Yeah, um. So what happens to them during the wintertime?
1: Oh, Cairns, there is no winter time because, you know, it's wonderful ah, there. Ah, <laughs> so they're just,
0: there's butterflies all year round.
1: Yeah, um, and this, this time of the year, uh, they're just beginning to decline, if I'm not mistaken. She works with the uh, common grass-yellow butterflies, which also occur here, but they're in ridiculously more, like, it's a lot of them, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we're trying to catch this, and before they start declining... Um, so yeah we're just gonna be there catching butterflies and doing some other color and vision tests with them fantastic
0: well um you did bring in a song for us today and i really like it because you brought in a i assume portuguese song yes oh can you tell me a little bit about it can you can you say the title for it because i don't want to embarrass myself
1: Um, The title is Apesar de Você. It's a song that was written during the Brazilian dictatorship and it was actually censored back then. Um, And it's a little bit about separation um, of even though things are looking rough right now, they will improve. And I think it's a song that has a little bit accompanied me in my... um, academic career yeah yeah
0: listen a phd can be hard at times and And relate yeah exactly you've got to be really resilient oh that's beautiful song could you um tell me who it's by chico Baraki. okay that is not how i would have said it
1: (laughs) how would you have said it um i would have
0: said chico Baraki. That's perfect. (laughs) I think that's just a really gross anglicization of it. Marilia, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been so wonderful to learn about warning colors, um, aposematism. I don't know if I still love saying it wrong. It's perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Hannah, thank you so much for joining me today. Great to be here. You have been listening to Boiling Point. Uh, I have been Anastasia, your host. And next week, we'll be covering more science. See you then.
2: Como vai proibir, quando o galo insistir em cantar? Água nova brotando e a gente se amando sem. Você vai se amargar, vendo o dia arraiar, sem lhe pedir licença.